0: Baptisms are amazing, and I love I love that we got to have some kids come up and uh, preach preach the gospel to us this morning. That's so powerful. I'm so glad that our kids, the kids who got baptized, and I'm just thankful for our kids ministry that that, that disciples our kids rightly in the fact that uh, God's good and always moving, and you get to be a part of it. Uh, you don't have to be a certain age to jump into what God's doing, and that's so encouraging. On the other end of that spectrum, I want to celebrate something I wasn't planning. I found out about this this morning, but we got to celebrate it because. It's just in the theme of celebrating the goodness of God. It doesn't matter how young you are, God wants to use you. And it doesn't matter how old you are, God wants to use you. And we all get the invitation and step in, into what God's doing. If you've been around the last few months, you've heard Sam talk about uh, what we've been doing, invited into at Sycamore Springs Retirement Home uh, to start meeting there. And uh, Sam's been doing a great job leading the team over there, starting a life group and taking communion together for people who are following Jesus, starting to ask uh, answer questions that people have. And where that came out of was there was a man named uh, Dan Clegg who just came by our offices one day. He's like late 80s. And he he came in and said, I wonder if I can meet somebody about like small groups. And we're like, well, great. We have a pastor whose job is that. So Sam met with Dan, and he was a resident at Sycamore Springs Retirement Home, and he had been a chaplain for a long time. He'd been following Jesus for a long, long time, but he basically came up to Sam, and he's like, listen, I live at this retirement home. Me and everyone around there, we're we're all going home soon, and I just have a heart to make sure that these people know Jesus and have the opportunity to still walk with him. Most of us can't go to church. Some people get rides and all of that sort of stuff. But, and he said, I, you know, I, I've done this for a long time. I just don't have the energy anymore. But I've been going around different churches in town trying to find somebody who would have the availability to come and, and meet with us. So there's that. And so Sam was, uh, Sam, the man of God, Sam is, is like, uh, yeah, we can do that. I, I, I'm in. I'm in. And so uh, we've been able to, to become friends with them and just, just meet our brothers and sisters over there, people who follow Jesus, just like, just like we do. They can't come in the room with us on Sundays, but they are our brothers and sisters. And God's been doing cool stuff, and they've been a blessing to us, and we've been able to bless them. And uh, Sam told me this morning that uh, he just found out that this last week, Dan Clegg went to, meet, went to be with the Lord. And... It is a celebration. This man of God followed Jesus to the end. And I just thought, oh my gosh, what a man of God. None none of you know Dan. None of you would have ever known about what Dan did, but it's worth celebrating. We celebrate these six and seven-year-olds saying, I want to follow Jesus with my whole life, and it's worth celebrating an 87-year-old who did it. It's worth it to be inspired by the kids who are saying, I want in, you know? And it's worth it to be inspired by a man who did it to the end. Did it to the end. And just realize, wow, this is a special thing. This is a special thing we get to be a part of. By the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, we are we are members of one another under the head Jesus Christ. And in baptism, we are baptized in to the saints of the past, the present, and the future. And we get to step into this reality, this opportunity to gather together, to read our Bibles, to hear from the Holy Spirit, to love one another, to share this good news, to participate in the things God is doing. Because like Sam said, God is always moving. Before you are here, while you're here, and after you're gone, God's always moving. And in this little time we have, we get to be a part of it. No matter where you are, where you're coming from, that's the invitation by the grace and the mercy of Jesus. We've all got our stories and our reasons why God can't use us, why we should tap out and all of those sort of things. But then there's Jesus who wants to invite you into what he's doing as long as you're here from the beginning to the end. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I just wanted to say that to honor our brother this morning as we celebrate our, our little brothers and sisters. We celebrate... We celebrate our older brother, Dan this morning. So thank you, Lord, for Dan. We bless, we bless what you started with him. and uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn in my Bible here. as so I was thinking about this this morning. Hebrews eleven thirty nine 39 says, And all of these, after listing so many saints of the past, it says, All of these, though commended through their faith, didn't receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So, Lord, we thank you for what Dan had a vision for, and we thank you that we get to now step into that. And I pray that as a house, uh, we would steward what Dan carried in faith. And we pray, Lord, specifically over Sam as he leads that charge. And for those who have jumped in to be a part of that, Lord, we receive with joy and with, uh, with faith, Lord, that you are moving. We get to be a part of it. We thank you for Sycamore Springs. We do pray that it would be a place of salvation and people knowing you and that that would reverberate through our city and these people's families. And just come, Holy Spirit, we love you. And we celebrate you in baptism. We celebrate you in death. And we celebrate you here in these moments we have together. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You didn't know what you were signing up for this morning when you came to church, did you? Jesus. I got a message to share and I have no idea how I'm going to do it. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right. Well, um, we've been... We're in, a, we're in a series that we're doing called Bring Me Another Jar, and if you don't take notes in church, you do now, so take out something and take notes. Bring Me Another Jar, we're on our fourth part of this series. This word, Bring Me Another Jar, is what God is kind of highlighting to us as we start the year as a church, this invitation to create emptiness in our lives, to come to Him so that we can be filled. We don't just need empty moments. Empty moments aren't the point. We've got to get empty so that we can get filled by Him, Amen. But being filled by him, that's not even just the point either. We've got to get filled so we can flow with the rivers of living water. Amen? We've been diving into that the last few weeks. If you missed it, we've recorded them for you online, and you can jump in and check those out. We're going to continue our conversation on this topic this morning, and I've got a much shorter time than usual, so I'm going to do the best that I can with what I've got. The title for this morning's message, part four, bringing Me another jar, is very simple. Stop. So fast forward, we're going to talk about Sabbath. We're going to talk about Sabbath. Sabbath, if you've been around church, is probably a word you've heard before. And this morning, like I said, because of uh, different limitations. This isn't going to be some comprehensive teaching on all things Sabbath, but what I want to do is do kind of a, a biblical survey of what the Sabbath is, what the Bible talks about, and kind of get us, let us let us get at least get a picture of the trajectory of God's revelation to us about Sabbath, how we participate in it, and why. What is the Sabbath? What is what isn't the Sabbath, and what is the Sabbath for? As we talk about that this morning, and I want to receive it again in the context of everything we've been talking about already in this idea of bring me another jar. Bring me another jar. So um, I didn't have you open up to a specific spot because we're gonna jump around. You can pick a few spots you wanna join me in as we go. So this is why you're gonna wanna take notes so you can uh, make sure you see where we stop this morning in a few different spots. But we're gonna read a lot of scripture as we do kind of a survey from the beginning of the Bible. So in Genesis chapter 1, Uh, We have the story of creation. The Bible begins in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Praise the Lord. That's why you're here. And so uh, Genesis 1, 31 through uh, Genesis 2, verse 3 says this. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and He made it holy, because on it, God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. So on the seventh day, God rested from His work, and in His rest, He still created in his rest, he created the Sabbath for us. He created the Sabbath, It's this, this, this seventh day of the week. So as we just look at the world around us, we understand that this was very much a part of creation. Even though God did nothing, he did something by doing nothing. And he, 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 he put into the natural order this seventh day of the week, this rest, this stopping. So we look at natural order, which is a form of general revelation of, of the things of God. The, the general revelation of God through natural order is part of the revelation of God. It's, so, so, so part of understanding God is natural law and natural order and, and, and understanding how that testifies to who God is and how things are supposed to be. So what I'm trying to say is we can't just breeze over this, this whole idea. This is, this is a, a cornerstone, like one of the seven days. You know? Yeah. One of the seven days. So, so God's baked in from the beginning to complete what he was creating. He baked in Sabbath into the natural order of the universe he created. This leads us to Exodus chapter 20. We jump ahead a little bit in the Bible, bring us to Exodus chapter 20, where God is giving the law to his people and starts off with the Ten Commandments. Anybody heard of the Ten Commandments? Anybody heard of the Ten Commandments? We awake in church? Yeah, okay. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. We're not going to read all of the Ten Commandments, but this is one of them. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You remember how in Genesis he said he blessed it and made it holy. So from the beginning, we've got day seven. It's holy. Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day. It means it's easy to forget. Amen. Did what God do on the other six days count? Yes. Okay, so, so what he did on the seventh day counts too, right? Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. He made it holy. So this brings us to the Ten Commandments, which kind of brings up a whole other big theological conversation we're going to try not to dive too deep into. But, well, that's the Old Testament as part of the law. Does it matter for us? All of these sort of things, right? Right? The reason that the Ten Commandments, if you, if you look at the Ten Commandments, there's a lot of the Old Testament law you can look at and have some conversations about and that how that works in with the New Testament and all of those sort of things. But as far as the Ten Commandments go, these things are pretty good. These things are pretty solid. It's kind of hard to get past these Ten Commandments and move on from them or, or throw them away or, or think that they don't apply anymore. And there's a reason for that. It's, it's because they're common sense. Yes. It matters that they're common sense. It's not meaningless that they're common sense. What happened in the Ten Commandments, if you look at them, is essentially God codified into divine law what he had already baked into natural law. So maybe you've heard people argue against God or against the Bible and against the need for God for things like morality. Because they'll look at the Ten Commandments and be like, who needs this list? Everybody knows this. Like you think nobody thought these things were wrong until they just came to this mountain and all of a sudden God showed up. And it's like, well, no, no. We we know these things are wrong through the common sense of looking at natural order because God made it that way. These are just the laws of, of, of how things are supposed to work and now God put words to them. You've seen these things, you know these things, you've observed these things and this is why they're still applicable to us because they're just foundational to the creation that God made. Do you see what I'm saying? So they are, they are foundational. God, God minted them in the Ten Commandments. So this is why, like in Romans chapter 1, we're going to read a few verses here. Romans chapter 1, 18 through 23. Did you guys get this? I gave it to you late. Perfect. I can't see it. I don't have it written down, so can you guys pull it up right there? <laughs> For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile, in their thinking and their foolish hearts were, were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Okay, so God's underscoring here in Romans chapter 1 what he modeled for us in Exodus chapter 20, which is like, I made the world to look a certain way and work a certain way. And when you understand and just observe how the world works, it testifies to me. Like, you look at the Ten Commandments. This is just how it goes. This is just how the world works. But the world doesn't work that way just because that's how the world works. The world works that way because God made it to work that way. And the reason God made it to work that way is so that when it works that way, it would testify to who he is. Yes, right. This is why no one's with it, everyone's without excuse. He's saying everyone can look around and see what's going on here. Now there's a whole lots of conversations we can have about that, but it says right there, everyone's without excuse because creation is testifying to the world about me. And he says the people who ditch the the natural order of creation are fools. They're futile in their thinking. They've exchanged what I made for their own ideas about everything. And everybody looked around the world they lived in and said, yep. Okay. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. Therefore, we read this. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Sounds a lot like Genesis 2, 3. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So what is the Sabbath day? What are we talking about here? Taking a day to rest and cease from work to reflect on the sufficiency of God is part of creation. Taking a day to cease from work, reflect on the sufficiency of God is baked into the natural order of the world that we live in. And God cements that practice as a moral foundation for humanity When he affirms the natural law by codifying it into divine law. Day seven, he rests in his goodness. Six days, he did a whole bunch of work. There's a lot of things people have made since then. You know, he didn't say like on the seventh day, we're going to need some iPhones. We're going to need that, you know, like... In six days, he did what he did. In the seventh day, God stopped and baked into the natural order of creation what God has made is good. The way God made it is good. Because God created it, not me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is mind-blowing if you think about it too much. That, like... Our week should be six days long. It's not like, but then we'd be taking off a work day. The Sabbath day isn't a work day that you take off, it's the Sabbath day. It's not not you, like creation. So this, this need to stop. It's baked into the natural order on purpose by God to the point that God looks at it. And as far as creation goes, that's the part he looks at and says, that's holy. Nothing's holy but God. That is part of me. Again, we don't talk about creation in terms of six days. We talk talk about it in terms of seven days because the seventh day of rest is just as much a part of creation as the other six days. Rest isn't nothing, rest is holy. And my nap taker said, hallelujah. (laughs) If you don't believe praying in tongues, that'll make you pray in tongues right there. (laughs) Rest isn't nothing. Rest is holy. Which means rest is of God and rest belongs to God. Rest is the reminder that we are not God. Rest is the reminder that God does not weary Rest is the reminder that he does not tire. Rest is the reminder that he is the creator, sustainer, and provider, and we are not. Sabbath, resting, is the constant reminder of our humanity and God's divinity. Nothing makes you face the fact that you have limitations other than stopping. We can medicate all of our insecurities and anxieties and emotions with motion. And God says, Stop and remember me. Yes. Exodus 31, in verse 12 through 17, the Lord says this And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath. Above all. Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Hello. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. In case you didn't hear me the first time. Jeez, man. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generation as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Above all, Rest isn't supposed to be the end point. It's supposed to be the beginning point. Yes. So we're, we're following a trajectory here. We're looking at the realities of what God reveals to us and says to us in Genesis 1 and then Ten Commandments, Romans chapter 1, Exodus 31 here. We're following a trajectory here, so stay on the journey with me. But what, what we're seeing is that apparently this is a really big deal to God. Fits in his above all category. We got the double death sentence here, just in case you didn't hear him the first time. I mean, let's not pretend the Bible didn't say what it says. Yeah. Jeez, man. Okay, so this, this whole thing, it's baked into the natural, natural order. So, like, we didn't have input into the decision. God decided this is how things go. And so we're learning now, and we're seeing on the trajectory that, that rest isn't just an end point to get to. It's actually a starting point you're supposed to work from. Work, life, identity, rhythms, purity, obedience, holiness come from resting in God. God says, this is what my people do. This is what my people do. And anyone who doesn't do this, you're not part of my people. You cannot be holy unto me if you reject my holy day. This is part of your identity. I mean, so God's making for himself a people in Exodus 31, really throughout the whole books of Exodus. He's, he's defining for the Israelites. They, 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 they've been in Egypt, so they haven't been their own people. He's bringing them out now from slavery, and he's defining for them. I, I've got to set you apart from the world so the world can see what I look like. This is part of the way that I made things. And so if you're going to be part of my people, you have to do what I say, and this is one of the things that I say. Are you tracking? So I'm not saying you have to like it, but doesn't make sense so far. Yes. Okay, so God's saying this is part of your very identity, is that this is part of your life. This is part of your rhythm. Part of who you are flows from this reality that you do this. This is one of the things that makes you different from the world. God cares a lot about this. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Okay, so what are we talking about here? Why do we Sabbath? Again, it's, it's, it's a Sabbath to remember something. God knows because he built everything that there's only certain things you have to face If you take the time to stop, he baked it into the rhythm of your life to have to stop. And he says, "When you you stopping is a sign between me and you that I'm the one who sanctifies you. It's not all the stuff you did all those other six days." It's not all the other laws you followed all those other six days. It's not all the good things you did for me all those other six days. That Sabbath is when you empty out all your works and you stop. And you remember, it is the Lord who sanctifies me. When I sit here and do nothing, he sanctifies me. Rest is healthy for you because you are human and you have limits. But it's not just healthy, it is holy. It is holy because in it you have to stop and remember that you're human. You have to stop and remember you have limits. You have to stop and remember that you have boundaries. And when you do, it makes you anxious, it makes you nervous, it makes you uncomfortable. It makes you insecure. It makes your mind race. It makes you question what you should be doing. It makes it hard to go to sleep. Amen? (laughs) Because when you stop, you start to wonder, who's going to care for me? Who's going to care for me if I don't get up right now? Who's going to provide for me if I don't go do that right now? How am I going to find worth? Who am I going to impress? What am I going to have to show for myself if I don't get up and go do that right now? What do I have if I'm not doing something? How am I supposed to take care of myself? How am I supposed to take care of those who are my responsibility? How am I supposed to show myself approved before God without my work? Those are the buried questions that are driving us to never stop. Those are the questions you're trying to answer when you won't stop. And they only come to the surface and we only get words for them when we do stop. And when they do surface, they are signs from God to us that we may know that it is him. He is the answer to those questions. It is him. It is him who sanctifies us. You've got to face the questions so that you can know the real answer. Sabbath rest is stopping to take joy in the fact that God is God and you are not. And that is holy. Sabbath rest is stopping to take joy in the fact that God is God and you are not. And the reality is that's the last thing our flesh wants to really face. From the beginning, the Sabbath is holy. It's one of the 10 commandments. You get the death penalty if you break it. He might kill you twice, I don't know. (laughs) And then Jesus comes on the scene, and he starts messing with us and all this stuff in a big way. Matthew 12, okay, so two weeks ago, in the last two weeks, we talked about in Matthew chapter 11. Right after our come to be passage from the last few weeks, Matthew 12 says this, at, the ta- at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. So do we kill all of you or what? He said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor those who were with him, but only for the priests. He's telling a really famous story here where King David, the man, breaks all kinds of of rules and he didn't get killed for it. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? He's like, well, actually, all the priests, they're actually assigned by God to do some work, like bake some bread and do sort of things. So, So don't you know that part of the law, too? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Here comes Jesus. What on earth are you talking about? They're like, it seems so clear. And we know you're all in trouble. And he's like, well, what about David? And they're like, oh, shoot, that's kind of a good point. Like, what about you guys, the priest? They're like, uh, we don't really ask that question. Actually, Jesus is like, you actually uh, don't know what you're talking about at all because the temple where your whole life and whole culture and whole nation and whole identity revolves around, there's something greater than that temple here. And you really don't understand the Bible you've been given your life for. If you really knew what it meant when the Bible says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, that's an Old Testament thing, then you wouldn't have condemned us because we're guiltless. And they're like, but you're working on the Sabbath. It was so obvious. Like, what? and he's like, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Big statement by Jesus. Um, because Genesis one and two, who's Lord of the Sabbath? Not not a trick question. God. This is Je- Jesus is saying, I am Creator God. Because the Sabbath is holy, right? Which means it's unto the Lord. It belongs to God. And and Jesus says, I'm I'm actually the one in charge of this natural order and divine law. So like the temple where you go to meet with God, I'm God and I'm over here. And you don't understand the words I've been saying to you. You don't get what I'm trying to tell you. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Because if you understood what was going on, we'd be having a totally different conversation. So what's going on? (laughs) You know, it's like, we've been following the trajectory here. We're getting to this point. It's like, okay, uh, clearly I don't know what's going on. So I ought to ditch what I thought was going on, but I'm still not sure what is going on. In Mark's version of this story, or Mark's account of this story, in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he adds this part that Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Okay. How we doing? Looks like I'm taking us to the end again today. I did my best to shorten it, but OK, you guys ready? We're, we're, we're teaching this morning, right? The Bible tells us that righteousness does not come by the law. Amen. Do you remember a Christian Living series from last year? We took about 16 weeks to go through the Sermon on the Mount and discuss this very issue. Righteousness does not come by the law. The law is a mirror. The Bible tells us. The law is a mirror that exposes and clarifies our sin to us, and it testifies to us that we cannot be holy as God is holy. And that's the cornerstone of the law. The cornerstone of the law is God looking at his people and saying, You must be holy as I am holy. And he outlines all these laws that, that sort of create a mirror in the sense that God's saying, Here's here's some of what holiness can look like for you. And you look at it and you say, but I can't do that. And the takeaway is, God says I need to be holy, and I can't be. This is what Jesus means when he says, if you understood what was going on, you would have known what it means that I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He's not just talking about if you understood what's going on with the Sabbath. He's saying if you understood what was going on with creation And God's interaction with humanity and the law and the word of God. If you had any idea what God was really up to, you would understand what it means when I say I desire mercy and not sacrifice. They didn't understand that the law was a mirror. They didn't understand what the law was really trying to tell them. The law is not God telling us he wants sacrifice. He writes all these laws about sacrifice. Have you read that part of the Old Testament? It gets kind of weird. It's kind of hard to follow. There's all these laws about sacrifice. Animal sacrifices. But really it's your whole life is a sacrifice. Like I'm sacrificing everything to fall in line with all of these things. But they didn't understand that it was supposed to be a mirror. It was supposed to reflect something to them. They didn't understand that all the laws about sacrifice weren't God telling his people that he wanted sacrifice. Which is why also in the Old Testament, you hear God say things like, he says it explicitly. I'm not pleased by the sacrifices of goats and rams. (laughs) I mean, they were sacrificing these things by the thousands. It's like, what have we been doing this all the time? So the law is not telling us that God wants sacrifices. The law is pointing us to our need for mercy. Which is why what pleases the Lord aren't things like the sacrifices of goats and rams, but things like faith and a broken and contrite heart. This all comes together in Hebrews chapter 4. forgot where Hebrews was for a second there. In Hebrews chapter four, God is continuing to speak to us about Sabbath. He's continuing to show us that Sabbath isn't just natural, it is spiritual. And it points us to our need to be able to rest from works of trying to gain righteousness in the same way that God rested from his work in creation. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. I'm going to keep reading. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Let us therefore strive to enter this rest. What's the rest? If you read the rest of the book of Hebrews, the rest is Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath, wasn't, or the Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Jesus tells us, no, no, no. The Sabbath wasn't, wasn't made so that it could control you. It was made so that it could remind you. It was made for you. It was made for you and you're missing this whole point that that the father from the beginning baked it into the order of creation to remind you to stop so that you could remember it's not all your sacrifices. His desire is actually to show you mercy. And it's really hard to receive mercy if you won't stop. It's not working. You can't earn this. So remember by stopping. The Sabbath is ultimately rest from sin, it is rest from sin. It is resting and remembering that righteousness does not come from sacrifices. Righteousness only comes from the righteous one. And that is God. And righteousness is only given by grace through the mercy of God in the man, Jesus Christ. If you do not enter this Sabbath rest, then yes, you will owe the wages of your sin, which is death. And you will not be counted in the people of God. Sabbath is not sacrificing a day to please God. Sabbath is whole self meditation on the mercy of God. Whole self meditation that it is him who sanctifies me. Whole self meditation. I've got to stop and remember, I'm only one of his children because of his mercy. I'm only one of his children because I have stopped from all of my works and received the righteousness given to me by grace. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath wasn't made for God, it was made for man. Like we've been saying over the last several weeks, we must do all that we do unto the Lord, but that's not what Bring Me Another Jar is all about. Bring Me Another Jar is not about baptizing all of our moments and doing everything for God, though we should do everything for God, absolutely. Bring me another jar is first about stopping. Stop. You won't flow with him until you're filled by him. You won't be filled with him until you come to him empty. And you will not, be, you will not have any empty jars to give him until you stop. Stopping is hard. And it's not hard because it's sacrificial. It's hard because it forces us to be humble under the mercy of God. That's why I'm scared of stopping. I'm intimidated by God's mercy. I'd rather comfort myself in all of my sacrifices. Look at my big pile of bowls. See how good I am? I asked for empty jars. Come and let me fill you with my mercy and let my life flow out of you. We've only got a couple minutes left and I am not about to get into practicals on how you should live Sabbath in your life. That's not what this is about today and I'm not really that interested in telling you what to do and babysitting that. Today is not about me prescribing what you ought to do. I'm just teaching you one way that fits in God's above all category for you to stop and bring him another jar this year. So you can can experience his mercy. So I want you to hear me say that. Nothing I've said this morning is prescriptive for all of us and all of you. And now we all go because we're the ones you got to figure it out we got the law figured out, so let's go do the law so we can show God we did it. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's what happened in Matthew 12. Right? So let's not just run and go be those guys. I've seen a lot of dead faces. We're okay. Nobody's in trouble. Nobody's like, I haven't had, I haven't done, is my Sabbath okay? Like, is being here okay? No. No. Trying to, This is invitation to the mercy of God. So I am teaching you what God, wants, what God is inviting you into. I'm not prescribing how it needs to look for you in your everyday life. Because Jesus throws a big wrench in that, even though it's all true. and I mean, It's kind of complicated. But what, it's like we always say, the system's rigged. you got to walk with Jesus if you want to walk with him. But what I do want to do is I want to take these last couple of minutes to explain to you A way that we are going to begin practicing this stopping together uh, when we gather corporately on Sundays. And we're doing it so that we can remember God's mercy and be discipled on how to practice this practice in our daily lives. Because like I've said already this year, this isn't just about listing off like the hours and the days you need to give to God and the hours you should be spending with God and the retreats you need to be going on. And you need to take a week off and go get a cabin. Otherwise, you're not bringing God an empty jar. What have we been talking about? Moments. Moments. Give them the empty moments. And so we corporately are going to be beginning to practice this um, for a season here. Now, Anytime you say, this is what we're going to be doing as a church, it's like, this isn't a statement about what everybody else should be doing. This isn't a statement about this is the right way to do it. We're just trying to hear God and respond to him. Amen? So, don't make something weird that's not weird. Okay, so here's what we're going to be doing um, on Sunday, starting next week. A new, a new part of our service we're going to be implementing that I want to explain to you so you can be excited about it and so you can be informed because it's going to feel like something. So, most of our lives never stop moving, right? Right. Like, stop, quiet, silence. You know, like we, we don't we don't do that. That's really, really hard and we don't do that. And then even that's you know, even here at church, it's like our life's like and then we show up for church and it's like, okay, and now we're doing this and then we're gone and off to the next thing, right? And there's nothing like wrong with that. Nobody like that's just the life that we live in. we just kind of go one thing to the next. But if we're gonna stop, we're gonna have to learn how to stop. Throughout the Psalms, there's a word for this that you'll see kind of in italics. If you read the Psalms, you read left to right. But in the right corner, randomly, there'll be this word called "sela." And there's not really like a concrete definition for it. It's more like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a practice that's inserted into these poems that just means stop. Stop what you're reading. You're like in the middle of the Psalm or the middle of a line sometimes. And it's like stop and think about it. Think about what you just read. It's like a Sabbath day in the middle of your Psalms. Yeah. <laughs> like, stop, stop. Don't rush past this. It's used about 75 times. And it's, a, it's an exhortation to contemplate, to meditate, to consider, to remember. So starting next week, we're going to do this through Easter. We're going to start our services with Selah. We're going to start with Stopping. So here's what it's going to look like. For those of you, uh, I'm not going to make, never mind. <laughs> so right at 10 o'clock, for those of you who may have never been here at 10 o'clock before. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, so, so, so this morning, Crystal, Crystal, where were you? I just, yeah, Crystal comes up and she does our welcome. Hey, buddy, welcome to church, so glad you're here. That's gonna happen right at 10 o'clock like it always happens. And then usually, uh, we'll do our declaration and we'll go say hey to our neighbor and then a pastor or elder will come up, lead us in communion, and then we worship and it's amazing and church is awesome and that's what we normally do. But what we're gonna do is make an adjustment here for a little bit. Uh, when the countdown hits zero, there's going the MC person's gonna still come up. Crystal's still gonna come up and say hey to everybody. Welcome. But the band's not gonna come up here. We're just gonna be quiet. Okay? So that person's going just gonna welcome you to church, and then um, and then I'll come up right after that, before we do our declaration, before we do our say hey to the neighbor, I'm gonna come up and lead us in communion. And it's gonna be quiet like this. Okay? I'm gonna give us remind us of why we're taking communion, and then we're gonna have Then we're going to have or do or whatever. I don't even know what kind of word the word is. You either do it or you have it. I don't know. But we're going to have our Selah. And that's going to be, I'm going to do the community vision up here. And then I'm going to sit down. And for three minutes, nothing's going to happen. So on the screen, for our own sanity, there will be a little three-minute countdown for you. It's going to be silent. And there's going to be some really simple meditations that go across the screen. Only only a couple over those three minutes. So things like Jesus, thank you for your body. And that'll last a while. And then a new one maybe, Jesus, thank you for your blood. Whatever. Some meditations to help us guide through these moments, because when I stop, my brain just starts spinning. (laughs) We gotta have something to focus on here. So we're just going to do that for three minutes, and then I'll come back up, and we'll take the elements together, then we'll do our declaration, because we're not here alone, we're all here together, and then we'll go say hey to each other like we always do, because we're not here alone, we're here together, and then we'll worship together. One really practical part of that 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 I want you to hear my heart about is that when I come up to start communion, we're going to close the doors, and so if you're not in here by like basically 10.01, you're just going to have to wait until after communion, So we'll still have pastors out there and kind of over there where the TV is. We'll still have communion. We'll have our pastors over there. So like, please still participate. No one's in trouble. It's not some underhanded thing. It's just, it won't be quiet if we're all coming in and out. You see what I'm saying? So like, you're loved. It's not weird. Like, we're not making things weird that don't need to be weird. Right? This is one of those things that come up. Oh, I feel like I'm in trouble. You're not in trouble. You're not in trouble. We're just trying to keep it quiet. That's all. And things happen, and you're late, and blah, whatever. Okay, we don't, we don't, you don't need to feel like you need to explain yourself. And you say, "I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Just give me my communion, okay, Lord? See, I'm here. Here's all my bowls. Here's all my rams. Here's a- no. Just, just, just stop. Stop. Just let's all just stop it. Stop. And remember, it is He who sanctifies us. He is here. We are members of one another through him. We are baptized by one spirit into his body. Into that faith that our kids just got baptized in, into the faith of everybody in Hebrews 11 and in the faith that Dan Clegg left behind for us. And we just need to rest in that and stop everything. And remember, God's holy. And we are too. But it's not because of our great sacrifices. It's because of his great mercy. I'm terrible at this. And you are too. (laughs) So let's learn together. (laughs) Let's learn together. Let's learn together. Let's come to him empty together. Let's come and be filled together. And let's flow together in the mercy of God. Amen? Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for your great mercy. We thank you that it is you who sanctifies us. We thank you for baptisms today. We thank you for worship. We thank you for the gathering of the saints. We thank you for your presence here. And we do receive the gospel again that we are your people. And we thank you for the gift of salvation That means we can stop. Stop trying to impress you. Stop trying to impress ourselves and everyone else. And rest in this great mercy. We love you. We honor you. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Amen.